Uh, I'll have Missy come up to read our, read our, do our reading for today. If you're able, would you stand? We're going to read God's Word, and we're trying to get in the practice of standing when we read God's Word. And you're going to go to Psalm 27. All right, these are verses 4 through 6. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. All right. You can be seated. Thanks, Missy. Great. So we've been camped out in Psalm 27 here for uh, the last little bit, and guess what? We're not leaving it uh, just quite yet. So we've got a few, a few more weeks here, uh, and we've been kind of looking at what it means to be seeking after God. What does it mean to seek the heart of God? What does it mean to seek after him? And so we've camped out in these few verses a couple times, and we've talked about how when it talks about dwelling in the house of the Lord, when it says, uh, one thing I ask, this, this one thing do I seek that I might dwell and the house of the Lord, we talked about how that's primarily about being with God. That, that's one way we seek after the heart of God, to just seek to be with God. And then it talks about how we gaze upon his beauty, this desire to gaze upon his beauty. We talk about how that's worshiping God. And then it talks about how we would seek him in his temple. And that's all about learning from God. And these are just different ways that we're trying to go after seeking after God. It's not the only way, but it's three kind of ways to help us like think about that. And so one of the things that we're doing on the course of the series is pausing and trying to give some really, really practical insights or steps into how we can do this. Because sometimes it's easy to talk about, yeah, I have that desire, I want to, but I don't know how. And so we're going to pause and we're going to talk about from time to time, how do we actually do this? And so today I want to talk about that third thing, gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. What in the world does that mean? And what does it mean to worship? It's something we talk about, but it, it, like, what does it actually mean for us to worship God and to seek God? So I'm going uh, to talk about that in some practical ways. But I got to lay some foundation first. So, so we're going to, so it might not seem really practical right now, but once we get to the end, hopefully you're going to see, okay, I feel like I can worship God, whether I'm in a room like this full of other people or whether I'm on my own. That would be my goal, that, that you would be able to walk away with that tonight. So let's talk about worshiping God. The, the idea of gazing upon the beauty of the Lord is the language of worship. So to fix our eyes kind of, or fix our attention uh, or our affection on God. That's what that means, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Remember that this is not somebody who writes this psalm who is physically able to see God. Like, this is like, so when he's talking about gazing upon the beauty of the Lord, he's not talking about, I see God physically. It's not like what Ish read in Isaiah, where someone has this, like, vision, uh, and they're in the, this throne room. This is talking about someone instead who's fixing their attention uh, on God, and not in, like, a passive way. Like, not like, you know how you can notice something? And like give your attention to something kind of like in a, a temporary kind of way, like something gets your attention. This is different than that. To like fix your gaze on something is like a much more like focused and intense kind of thing. So it's not about just kind of giving pause to something. This is about giving our full attention to God. 
Now, you can give your attention to things like a car wreck, right? Like if you see an accident on the road, that can get your, uh, that can get your attention. There are things that can like really galvanize you and get you to focus, and you might turn your gaze, fix your gaze on it, but that's obviously not worship. So just because you're focused on something doesn't mean it's worship. So that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about something that gets our attention and it captivates us in some way. It, it moves us in some way. So like we, um, I want to try to get this down to things that feel familiar to us. So if you have ever like seen a painting that really got your attention, that you like couldn't peel your eyes away from, or if you've ever heard a piece of music or a song that you like listen to over and over again, and that, like it moves you in a way, like you, you, you fix your heart and your mind or your ears on it, like you want to hear it, like I can't hear the song where the streets have no, no name by you too, and not feel moved. I'm absolutely convinced that's the song that will play in heaven when I get there. Like, uh, hear me, Lord? Like, I, I feel like that's the song of heaven. When I hear that song, it just does something inside of me. I can't not listen to it. Like we have a rule in my car, you do not touch the radio where, when, where Streets Have No Name is on. Like you don't touch it, you just let it play out. So it, it moves in me as something, but maybe it's like something like um, when you uh, see like a mountain, like a beautiful mountain, and it, it like, it captures your attention. You find yourself like, I can't peel my eyes away from this. Or, or, or maybe like the sea, maybe you're an ocean person, you find yourself like, there's something when I sit in front of this, I just can't peel myself away from it. That is something akin to what this is talking about. So, but it's more than that. Worship is not just when you give your attention to something that captivates you, it's actually when it goes from attention to affection, to love. It, it actually moves something inside of you. So I don't just give my attention to something, I give my affection to something. Now we're kind of beginning to talk about what worship is. So it's more than just giving my attention to God. It's giving my affection or my love, my, my feeling to God. When you, when you stare at something or when something gets your attention long enough, usually it's going to move something inside of you. Like, and it's actually, you can't give your attention to something for a prolonged period of time and it not have an effect on you and not move you in some way. And so when we give our attention to God, what we're talking about is giving our attention to God in a way that moves us. It's, it, it actually captures my heart. So you'll grow in your affinity or your affection for whatever you give your attention to. Like, so just a really practical example. I, before I ever knew how to pronounce the name Wakanda, I used to drive from Prospect Heights or Arlington Heights to Fox Lake to wash windows in Fox Lake. And I would drive right by this town all the time. I had no idea what Wakanda was, who, who lived here. I had no affection for it whatsoever until I met some people who were, lived in the town of Wakanda. And I would find myself, when I would drive by, paying attention to things in town. And now I knew some people who were here, and now I not only paid attention to it, I also began to have affection for it and like love the people who are here and love the community. But it didn't happen until I gave more of my attention to it, right? So when you give your attention to something, usually your affection will follow, your heart will, will follow. And what we're talking about here in worship is not something that we're just like casually observing or just appreciate, but that it's actually captivating our mind and our heart in a way that moves us. 
So if I give my attention to something long enough, it's going to move something inside of me. It's going to shift something. And when we're talking about worship, we're talking about that. Giving our attention to God enough that it actually begins to move something inside of us. But worship doesn't just stop there. It's not just giving our attention. And it's not just giving our affection or feeling affection. It actually moves into action. So there's actually something that in worship is not just about, oh, I give my attention to something or I just have a feeling. It actually is like I'm going to somehow act. I'm going to move somehow to respond. I'm compelled to do something or to demonstrate my attention and my affection, to give more of myself to the object of my desire. So as I began to pay more attention to Wakanda... And I began to pay more attention to the things that are here, and my heart began to grow for the community and the people that I knew here. I found myself wanting to spend more time here. So I went from attention to affection to action. Now I, wanna, now I actually want to spend some of my money here in town. I want to actually like, spend my time with people who live here. And it's the same thing. Like If you've ever, like, I, I, you're going to be like, Why, what does this have to do with worship? But if you've ever found a band that you really like, like, you know, you get a, on your Spotify playlist, a song that comes up. You're like, oh, I like that song, right? And you listen to that song. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I want to hear that song and more from that band, like, all the time. And then you start listening to that more and more. And then all of a sudden you're like, when is this person coming in concert, right? I want to go to the concert. Like, you moved from attention to affection to action when you buy the ticket to go see the band in concert. And this is, just, this is just the practical way human beings are wired. We give our attention to something, we give our affection to something, and then it moves us to action. Uh, and this can be a lot of different things. Now, you might be saying like, okay, there are a lot of things I give my attention to that maybe I give my affection to and maybe even I act on, but I wouldn't call it worship. And you'd be right. I'm like, so not every time you give your attention to something, or your affection to something, or act on something, is that worship. Like, so for example, I love Albanese gummy bears. If I see a package of Albanese gummy bears, it gets my attention. And then I'm reminded how much I love them, and then I will buy them, and then I will eat them. And if I'm really lucky, I will be driving through Indiana on Highway 30, and I will pull into the Albanese factory, and I will buy bags of gummy bears for our family. It's not worship, though, right? Like, it's just something that I like and that I'm into. You're like, wait, no, I think you might have a problem. Shayla, you have a problem with this. Like, why are you talking about gummy bears? I'm a huge Notre Dame football fan. I know there'll be boos and hisses, but whatever, I don't care. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I give my attention. If I, I watch for when the games are on. I learn about the players. And then all season long, I find myself growing, like, in my affection for the players. I'm like, oh, I love that guy. I want him to win, you know. And, like, and then one day, I'll get to go to a game again. Like, but right now, my action looks like sitting on my couch and judging how they play, right? But there's still something I'm motivated to, I'm motivated to do. And you could go through all kinds of things. I love my wife. I gave my attention to my wife. The first time I saw her, I was like, uh-huh, yeah. She got my attention. But then she got my affection. And then I asked her to marry her, marry me. She got the action too. And then that was a poor choice of words. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I just don't want you sitting here in the discomfort of that. So I'm just going to go ahead and name it. This, all right, we're fine. <laughs> oh, that's good. 
That's good. Anyway, you get the point. <laughs> Lots of things will get your attention. Lots of things will get your affection. And then you will find yourself putting action towards whatever it is that your heart gravitates toward. And that's not necessarily worship. It doesn't mean that you worship those things. However, those things can become things that we worship. They very easily can become things. It can be a moment where you find yourself giving more of yourself than what you ought to a thing or to a person or to a dream, and those things can occupy a place in our life that become more like idols, or it can be something that occupies a, a place in our life like over a long period of time. Anything that begins to change the course and the direction of my life has the potential to become something that actually I'm giving my worship to. We were designed to give our attention, our affection, and our action to something. Like, that's how God made us. He made you to give your attention, to give your affection, and then to be moved to action, like, for something. That's how he's wired us as human beings. More accurately, to give ourselves to one thing. That's why we're talking about this psalm. It's God himself. Like, we were designed to give our attention, our affection, and all of our devotion and action towards God himself. There's like a, a gravitational pull for us as human beings that exists at all times, whether we're conscious of it or not, that is giving our heart towards worship of something. Like, it is foolish to think that your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus doesn't worship. They do worship, they just don't know what they worship. Or maybe they do. You can tell by the trophies that they have in their house or the size of the TV or, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can, you can look and see what does this person worship in their life by how they spend their money and how they spend their time. And, you know, you see what I mean? Like, you can, you, it's, we all worship something. Our hearts are all drawn after something. It, because God made us as human beings designed to worship. It's just a matter of what or whom we're worshiping. That's the thing that makes a difference. It, this is just how God's designed us. We were designed to worship God. We were designed to have him as the thing that we worship, and then everything else comes after that. He, he's meant to be kind of the center of our affection, of our attention, of our action, and, like, and, and you're going to give that to someone, so your way you're designed to operate is to give that to God first, and everything else is meant to orient ourselves around that. This is why there's so much warning in Scripture. There's a ton of warning in Scripture about what and how we worship. Because God knows that we were designed in a particular kind of way, and it doesn't work well when we don't worship, when we don't worship what we're meant to worship. So Exodus 20, where the Ten Commandments are, the first two commandments have to do with who we worship and how we worship. You shall have no other gods before me. It's like you're not supposed to have anything else that you worship. And then he doubles down on this with the second command. Don't make for yourself an image from any form and anything above heaven or earth or on, uh, on earth beneath the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. This is like a really big deal. When something's mentioned first, we should pay attention to it. So God is right here laying out for his covenant people, this thing of worshiping me is a really big deal. And you're not supposed to give this kind of devotion to anything else other than me. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the beginning of the book of Exodus, the whole entire reason why the people were set free was not just because they were oppressed. They were set free to worship God in freedom. 
If you look at what Moses goes before Pharaoh and says, let God's people go, let my people go, it's so that they can worship God in freedom. Like, this is a really big deal to God. This is the thing that, move God's, that moves God's heart. My people are designed to worship me. It's in our nature to worship God, but it's in our nature to worship anything if we don't worship God. And so there's all these warnings in Scripture about how we ought to be very careful about what we worship. So Romans chapter 1, verse 21 through 25. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him. That's talking about worship. But, their think, but in their thinking, they became futile and their, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. They broke the first and second commandments is what it's saying. They worship these things that look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to sinful desires of their hearts and to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. This is what happens when worship is removed from our lives. This is what happens when we worship things other than the one that we were made to worship. So Paul and the Apostle Paul who writes Romans chapter 1 paints a pretty bleak picture of humanity. And he's basically saying this thing is spiraling out of control and at the heart of it is because human beings forgot who they're made to worship. I know we don't think, we think about worship as something that we do when we come here on Sundays to make ourselves feel good. Like, let's be honest, most of the time, I don't really like that song. You know what I mean? Like, that's not my favorite, so I'm going to sit this one out. Like, no, worship has cosmic, like, proportions. Right? The scripture is shred. Like, right now, in heaven, there is worship ringing over and over and over again. And then Paul would warn us, like, look, if you don't get the worship right, things don't go well for humanity. So the practice of worship is meant, basically, to make sure that our attention is fixed where it's meant to be that our affections are meant, are, are, are oriented where they're meant to be. And where, where the action of what we do with our lives is meant to be oriented towards God. And when God, when we put him in our proper place in our lives, then everything else begins to work properly. But when worship is misdirected, then our lives are misguided. When worship is misdirected, then our lives are misguided. Have you ever noticed how, like, if you've been driving... And you are, maybe you're riding a bike for those of you who don't drive a car, and you see something on the side of the road or out of your periphery, and you like start to look in that direction, how you tend to veer the car in that direction. Husbands don't nudge your wives or wives don't nudge your husbands. We all know, we all do it, right? Like, it's just easy when your eyes are not fixed on where you're going to just find yourself drifting. It doesn't happen on purpose. It's not like, oh, I want to veer off the road. I just find myself looking over here and all of a sudden I'm kind of drifting over into this lane, right? It just happens for, for all of us. It's, it's super easy to do. Worship is like this intentional choice we make about how we fix our eyes on God to make sure that we don't drift in different directions. This whole thing that, that passes that I read in Romans, it's about people who have drifted away from what they were designed to do and how we're designed to operate. And so what worship does is intentionally fix our eyes on who God is so that we're not drifting in all different kinds of directions. 
To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord that talks about in the psalm is all about that. How do we fix our eyes on God and worship? God, I want to see you. I want to position myself again based off of who you are. I want to fix my eyes on who you are. I want to be undivided in my attention. I want to make sure that you are in the proper place in my life. I want to position myself to see you. That is what the person in Psalm is saying. That's one way I want to seek after God is to worship God. But worship is kind of a funny thing because worship is a response to God and worship is something we do for God. It's not really about us. It's not, that's not the intention in worship. But the reality is something does happen to us when we worship. And it's this weird kind of dynamic with worship. Like, because we all know, if, if you've been around church, you've heard people say worship is not about you, right? It's about God. But we all know, if you've ever had a, an experience of worshiping together with other believers, that there actually is something that happens in you, right? It's this, it's this mysterious kind of thing. So, so I, th- I think about it a little bit like this way. Like we have, um, in our household, we have something we call bl- a blessing book. So we decided to stop giving Hallmark our money a long time ago and buying $7 cards, that, you know, we, t- we typically toss, right? And so we have this book, and, in- and each one of us in our family have their own book, and-, and on birthdays or special occasions, we write blessings in that book for this, you know, we love you, you know, that kind of thing. So, so we have these blessing books, and I found myself over the years when I go to write someone in my family a blessing or a prayer or a word of encouragement in their blessing book, I start with, I have an idea in my mind of what I want to let this person know. And that's a really cool like, thing. I want my family to know how I feel about them or what the blessing is. But I find myself that as I'm like, thinking about, okay, what do I want to write? And I find myself writing that I actually grow in my appreciation for that person as I'm doing it. You see what I mean? Or if you've ever gone Christmas shopping or birthday shopping for someone, and you're not sure like what it is to buy that person, like what the gift is, like you have a sense of maybe they might want this. And I found myself like, I hate online shopping. Like, cause I, I like, there's something that happens with me when I go and I shop for someone that as I'm shopping for that person, I'm thinking about, you know what? I bet they'd really like that. And then I find myself appreciating that person even more. And then I find myself when I go to give them that gift, I'm so much more excited for them to have the gift Like, because my heart has been moved by the simple gesture of wanting to show this person appreciation. Does this make sense? Like, so you can grow in your affection by just starting to give affection, by just setting out to say, I want to appreciate you. And then if you just make that simple gesture, it actually begins to move something in us. It grows something. And worship is like that. Like, we worship God not just because we feel like it, because he's worthy of it. Like, he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our attention. He's worthy of our affection. But as we give him what he is deserved and owed, it actually begins to move our hearts. It can. And, and actually, something begins to can grow in our heart as we rediscover who he is, as we give him our attention, our affection, and our actions. It actually can change, change us. This is one of the reasons why we don't just worship when we feel like it. Because actually, worship, when we give God what he's due, we give him our attention, our affection, and put our actions in motion for him, it actually has the effect on changing us. So there are times where I don't feel like worshiping, 
But actually, I know that if I worship him, whether I feel it or not, I actually get to be part of the beneficiary in this. And any of you who have ever been able to be in the middle of a really difficult circumstance and pra- like practically just practice worship right in the middle of it, you know it can shift atmospheres. You know it can change the climate. It might not change your circumstances, but it definitely changes the circumstances of your heart. So this psalm, remember, this is a person who's talking about seeking after God. The psalm in Psalm 27 starts talking about how even though I'm surrounded by all these like dogs that are trying to attack me, this is not someone for whom life is going well. This is like, this is someone who is in a really, really tough circumstance, but is yet is saying like, in the middle of all, this is the only thing I seek after because he knows it's the only thing that will actually change the climate of his heart. So that's how in verse six, you can get to this thing that Missy read, then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. Guess what? He's worshiping God. His enemies are still surrounding him. They didn't go anywhere, right? At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. Sacrifice is sacrifice. It doesn't always feel good, but it's so good for you. Like, like, you know, we don't always feel like worshiping, but the reality is if we will make the sacrifice of worship, it has the potential to change the climate of my heart. I will sing and make music to the Lord. This is not somebody who's been rescued from their circumstances. This is someone who's saying, I will worship even until I get rescued. And guys, I, I, I think that we, we don't have a grid for that. Like, because here's the way the world is. Let me kind of just poke a bear for a minute. Is this okay? Uh, uh, thanks, Trish. I'm going to. Um, um, the, the way the world works is you ignore your circumstances and, and bury your head in the sand and act like nothing's happening. Or you let your circumstances completely and totally bury you so that you're totally ineffective and stuck in life. That is not the way of the kingdom. Either, either extreme. Nowhere in the scripture will you ever find God asking a human being to ignore how you feel. Never. It doesn't exist. But never is that how you feel ever a permission then to not worship God. So somehow we have to find a way to be the kingdom people of God to hold these things in tension where we can be in a place where it's hard and it's difficult, yet I will raise my voice with shouts of joy even while I'm surrounded by my enemies. The hard part is it feels inauthentic because we just don't know how to do it well, right? And so, I'll just be honest, the only way I've learned to do that well, and I'm not saying I'm there yet, is to really be rooted in the scriptures and be familiar with these psalms and like where I feel like that's how I feel. <laughs> this person is saying these hungry dogs surround me, yet somehow I'm going to rejoice. I, f- I feel what you're saying, David. I can feel that. Or there are other days where I feel like, God, when will you finally answer my prayer? You know, like there are those, those moments in time. Well, I find really like familiar territory here. The Bible is such a rich, rich book full of human experience. And we don't have to choose the way of the world. We don't have to choose it, guys. We don't have to choose ignoring things and acting like nothing hurts and I'm okay. And we don't have to act like we're completely defeated because we're not. We are more than conquerors. Yet we're also thinking, feeling people, right? Like, so somehow we we live in this tension. And so sometimes we got to do the uncomfortable things and things that don't feel natural to us that feel a little bit more like a sacrifice. 
if we want to see ourselves grow. Make sense? Okay, now we're going to get practical. I just wanted to lay some foundation before we kind of like, and I believe me, it's not, not much longer. You're almost done. I'm going to let you off the hook here soon. All right. So what we're talking about here, the aim, the primary thing I'm talking about is personal worship, okay? Worshiping on your own or in, the, in, in your home. However, worship, there's corporate worship where what we're doing here together, and there is personal worship, and they really go hand in hand. They really go hand in hand. We as a community are called to worship together, to offer our attention, our affection, and our actions to God because we're called to be a worshiping community. So 1 Peter 2.9 talks about how we've been called out of darkness to, dis- to declare his praises. Whatever else we are as a church, we are called to, do- to declare the praises of God. It's what we are meant to do, and we're meant to do that collectively, not just in the privacy of your own home. We're meant to sing praise to God as a community. And I know for some people... Um, that um, this might seem weird. Like, you know, worship, on the one hand, it, it feels foreign to people because it's like, wait, you're all standing in these rows and you're singing to something you can't see. Like, I get that. Like, but I think we have to keep in our mind that the reality that all of us are worshiping something. We're just naming what it is we're worshiping. And then we're putting our whole self behind the worship together rather than letting our just kind of passively happen in our lives. And the truth of the matter is people do this corporately all the time. If you've ever been to like a banquet honoring a person, that's about as close as you can get to worship. You know what I'm talking about when someone gets up and talks about all the nice things that this person has done and look at all their accomplishments and then someone comes up and then someone plays music and like, you know what I'm talking about? This is worship. Like it's not worship in the, in the, in the way that we're talking about worship, but it's, it's pretty close to it. Like, if you've ever been to an award ceremony where people are giving lots of awards away, like, they're celebrating something in this collective experience of celebrating something together. So it's not that weird that we would all gather together and that we would sing the praises of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Like, right? If he is worthy of it, then he's worthy of us all getting in the room and say, yes, Jesus, you're worthy. Right? So there is, there is that, and it's really not that weird. We do worship all the times and like wedding toasts. Like, again, you don't, it, we don't think about it, but worship, when you get up and you hear someone talking about, yes, this is my best man, or this is like, you know, my best buddy, and we do have that wedding toast, we're, we're declaring the praises of someone. We do this all the time. It doesn't have to be weird. But there's something that's special about when we worship together that cannot be accomplished the same as when we worship on our own. There's something special. When we worship together, we're coming together and saying, regardless of our differences, regardless of what's going on, we with one voice are all saying, God, this is who you are. We give you our attention. We give you our affection. God, and we're demonstrating it with action right here. There's something special and unique about that. There's, and throughout history, that the church has been called to do that, like to lift one voice in unison and in praise to God. If you look through all the Old Testament, you'll hear where the community uh, of people raise their voice together with a shout. There's something powerful when we all do that together. It's something that delights the heart of God, but it also can encourage us. I can't tell you how many times I come to, I come to service and I feel like I'm, I, I'm just not in the mood to worship. Anyone else ever feel that way? 
Yeah? Let's just be honest. You guys are way too holy. Like, so, uh, like, you just, you just don't feel it. Like, I'm just not feeling ready to, like, come in and sing these songs for whatever reason. I'm frustrated about something. Something happened on the way here. Something's leaking in my house. Whatever, whatever it is. Like, I'm just, like, I'm not, I'm just not feeling ready to worship. But then something happens when I get in a room with other people who are ready to worship. I'm like, you know what? God's doing something over there. And it usually has one of two extreme effects on me. It makes me mad because I'm like, oh, man, oh, they're so happy over there. Like, or the opposite extreme is like, man, I want that. And it actually raises me up from my own personal pit that I'm in when we worship together. And our corporate worship, like we're, we're actually meant to sing our songs directly to God, but it talks about in Ephesians how we're meant to sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. We build up the body of Christ when we worship together. There's something really, really powerful in that. To hear other people sing, to see other people. Man, I'm reminded of God's goodness when I hear your voices singing, when I hear a shout of praise. Like, when I don't feel like I have the ability to raise it up for whatever reason, I'm encouraged in that. So I want to, as strongly as I possibly can say, worship together, guys. Worship together. Worship together. But worship is not limited to when we're together. In fact, actually, I think the worship together is enhanced when we are worshiping on our own. That they work hand in hand. My, what, I, what I feel like I've learned is that my ability to worship corporately when I'm w- with other people is often directly tied to how I've been worshiping on my own throughout the week. So it's not this like I'm switching this like awkward switch when I get here to do something I haven't been doing in my life throughout the week. I've been worshiping throughout the week. Now I just get to do it with other people. And so it feels less awkward when I come into the room and I'm worshiping with other people because throughout the whole week I've been worshiping. So we're, we're meant, and actually this psalm in Psalm 27, this is someone having a very personal experience saying, God, I want to gaze upon your beauty. I want to, not we want to. I want to. So there's something very personal. Now, I would say, guys, that this is probably one of the most neglected areas of our Christian life, personal worship. It's probably one of the most neglected areas. Think about how many sermons you've heard in your life about how you should read your Bible and how you should pray. You've probably not heard a lot about how you should worship in your home, about how you should worship on your own. And I would say, I'm sorry for that as your pastor. Like, that, that's not okay. Because I think we actually could see just as much kind of scripture teaching us and imploring us and encouraging us to worship as, as we are to pray and to read our Bible. I'm not saying that those are totally distinct things, but most of us just don't think that way. We think, I do my devotions, I say my prayers, and I get on around my day. And I'm saying, I think God wants to shift the climate of something in our hearts and in our church by encouraging us to worship in the privacy of our own home. The truth is you can worship anywhere or anytime, anywhere or anytime. You don't need lights down, candle lit, Bethel music playing in the backgrounds. Like you don't need any of that stuff. It's great if you do have it, but it's not necessary. You can worship anywhere, anytime. All we're saying is what we're trying to do is turn our attention, our affection, and our action toward the one who made us. That's all, that's all we're talking about. Whatever it is you're doing, wherever you're going, pause. I'm going to give my attention, my affection, and my action towards God. Because we can do that anywhere and everywhere. 
So really practically, how do you do that? How, how could you begin to kind of develop like a personal practice of worship? Well, the first thing, this is just, these are some just personal things I feel like I picked up from other people or in my own practice. First of all, I look for the handiwork of God. So I look for the handiwork of God. Probably more than any other thing that causes my heart to be in a place of worship is I see the creation. I see what God has done in creation. Or I see what God has done in someone else's life. I see a prayer request. So, so I actively, and, and I would encourage you to do the same, is to have your eyes and your ears open to what God has done around your world. It could be in creation. It could be in the life of people you know. But I just, I just focus my mind and I, and I allow my attention and my affection to kind of follow what I see God's done. I can't be in front of an ocean and not worship God. I, I, just, I just can't. It, rather than just being like, oh man, it's so great to relax, which it is, like, I'm like, God, the beauty of this thing, this is awesome. Like right now, there's the, all of this ocean water right now, if you moved the earth a fraction of a little bit away from the sun, the tides get all screwed up and this water is coming crashing in right now, right? That, that blows my mind, but it doesn't, it doesn't make me fearful, it makes me awful, like, to stand in awe before God. When I, see the, when I see the mountains, I'm like, what is this thing that you did, God? When I watch people do like dancing, like, uh, like sometimes or like things on the Olympics, I see these athletes doing these amazing things. I'm like, God, you have made this person to only do that. Like, it is awesome. You are so good, God. You know every hair in my head. It leads me to a place of worship. So I'm just, I'm just saying, if you can get into the practice of looking for the handiwork of God and, through, and do that throughout your day, you'll begin to develop a personal practice of worship. Don't let it just be a, a fleeting thought, but actually begin to give God thanks when you see that. Thank you, God, that you made the world in this way. Thank you, God, that you care for the birds of the field. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for that. that. That's awesome. We had a little songbird singing outside of our house the other day. It was so loud. And I was like, this is awesome. This bird is thriving. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but you got to slow down enough to pay attention to this kind of stuff. Secondly, look for the character of God. Look for the character of God. So you look for the handiwork of God, you look for the character of God. And the primary place I'm able to see the character of God is by reflecting on the things God has done in my life or the things I see about God in his word. So if I reflect on the character of God, it leads me to a place of worship. So that, think about just the songs that we sing in here. When we sing these songs, these songs are often rooted in what God has done, his handiwork, or who God is, his character. And if, I will, if I'll fix my attention to be reminded of who God is and what God has done in my life, it can lead me to a place of worship. Now, it's more than just noticing, it's actually celebrating. God, thank you so much for the way that you did that. Thank you so much for the way that you've cared. We were just re meeting with some new friends here to the church recently uh, today, and we were recounting how uh, you know, Jen stepped away from her job a number of years ago and how God has provided for us. And I found myself all day long just being really grateful, just being really thankful, right? That's, like, that's worship. Worship is not band up there, lights down low, everybody singing. That's one reflection of worship. Like, but that's not the kind of worship that God is looking for in your everyday experience. If you think that that's the case, then you'll find yourself feeling like, I don't worship. But that's not true. Actually, you can worship anywhere, anytime. Look for the handiwork of God and look for the character of God. A couple other practical things. 
I make playlists that help me worship. Uh, I do this all the time. So I, I think I mentioned this the other day about one that just helps me be with God or abide with God. I also have like an adoration playlist because it's easy for worship if I'm not careful to be songs about what God has done for me, which are good to sing about. But sometimes I just need to focus my attention on him. And so I feel like one of the things I feel like God has, has helped me to do is like create these playlists where the songs are all about Jesus. He's good. <laughs> He's beautiful. He is amazing. And I listen to this throughout my day. Uh, it's, a, it's an intentional choice. I sometimes, be honest, I'd rather listen to something else, but I need to be reminded of who God is. And it's amazing how if I'll do that, and now I'm, I'm not just, just because I'm listening to the music doesn't mean I'm worshiping. I'll say it again. Just because I'm listening to the music doesn't mean I'm worshiping. But what I want to do is listen to that music and allow, my, allow it to draw my heart in to worshiping God. And I found myself that if I will give my attention to Jesus that way, that my affection grows and my action follows. Make sense? So make a playlist. Find some songs, some stuff that you've like sung here at church. This is, guys, this is nuts and bolts practical stuff that I guarantee you will help you engage in personal worship. Like, so go and make a playlist this week of some songs that remind you about who God is, his handiwork, his character. Like, do those things and see what happens. Last, last little thing here, show up and worship together. If you will show up and worship together, it will help you worship on your own. There's a direct correlation between me worshiping on my own and my experience of worshiping together and me worshiping like together and me worshiping on my own. They, they really can go hand in hand. Like, I can't tell you how many times throughout the week I'm reminded of, of like something or song that we sang when we were all together. Or if right now all you can do is watch online, just show up online. Just good for you. You could be doing anything else than sitting and watching me talk on your TV right now. But if you gathered together and you sang in your home, you postured yourself, good for you. But if you're able to be here, be here and let's worship together. So, so here's, here's what I would say. A good question to be asking is what action can I do that would delight God's heart and express my attention and my affection? What action can I do that would delight God's heart and express my attention and my affection? So if you're trying to figure out how do I worship, what does worship look like, how can I engage in worship, if you just ask these two questions, like, what is the action that I can do that would somehow delight God's heart, because it's about him, but also express my attention and my affection and come up with an answer to that, that, that question, you would be worshiping. So if you wanted to, you could even do that every day this week. Just think about that. And the answer to that question doesn't have to be singing. It can be singing. Singing is probably one of the more common expressions of worship, but so is Shouting. Shouting is an expression of worship. So many times throughout the Bible, you will find the, the, like the direct command to shout before the Lord. Shouting is worship. You can't do that for a long time, <laughs> like right? Your voice is going to give out. But every once in a while, just give yourself a little shout. Just warn your family before you do it, like so they know you're okay. You know, hey, I'm going to shout in here. It's going to be cool, right? You don't have, but you could do it in your car. I, I'm, I'm telling you, like, people will look at you like you're crazy. Who cares? They think you're crazy anyway. They don't know if you're talking to yourself 
or yelling at the radio. Like, it doesn't matter. So shout. Clapping is something that you do. I hate clapping. It's, a, it's an odd thing. But every once in a while, I feel like God is saying, I want you to make noise with the body I gave you. So clapping is something that you can do to worship. Again, an awkward thing to do on your own. So don't start there. Like, do something that feels more normal. Don't make this hard on yourself. Kneeling is an act of worship. That's a great place to start. You know, some of you know our friend Dave Mosier, who was here with our church for a little while. Dave used to start every single day, would get down on his knees by his bedside and just remind Jesus that he is his. That's a great practice. And it doesn't require, you don't have to spend your whole day on your knees. We're not, we're not trying to win any like awards for monasticism and like, you know, like, you know, break your knees and be blessed. Fine if you want to, but just get down on your knees every once in a while. Show Jesus that he's king. Like, like there are all these words in the Bible for how to worship and a lot of them are action words, not just feeling words. Like, and it's amazing how sometimes if I actually will change my posture and get down on my knees, there's a sense of reverence that happens in my heart. It's, it's humiliating in a good way. You know, why you, you know why you do this? You get down on your knees. This is an act of humiliation, saying you're, you're in charge and you're bigger and better. This is why people bow before kings. You're in a higher place than I am. Like, so, so when you get into on, in a posture of being on your knees in your own, the privacy of your own home, you're saying, Jesus, you are in charge. I am not. Dancing. We had this little video pop up of one of our kids, I won't say who, on our like Facebook memories, um, just, just dancing and twirling around our living room. Like, and I was like, oh man, to be that free. Like, and so maybe, I know some of you, like, some of you, you get down in your, in, you know what I mean, in your house, and that's great, that's awesome. Some of you, it's like, you just maybe just need to do a little sidestep, just a little, you know what I mean, just, just a little, just a little boogie, right? Like, you don't have to do anything crazy, just move a little bit, sway, like, we're, we're not like, right? Like we can move our bodies. I've seen some of you at weddings and like concerts. I know you got some moves. So move a little bit. And maybe if it's not dancing, like maybe you can sneak dance like on a walk, you know? Like, like it's like, I'm, I'm just walking, I'm just walking, but every once in a while you got a little bow. Like, you know what I mean? Just, you, can, you can be sneaky about it, it's fine. Dance. If you play an instrument, Play your instrument in worship. God loves that. Some of my most intimate personal times with God have been playing a guitar I don't know how to play. I know enough about how to do it that I can make a couple noises on it, but I'd never want anybody else to hear it. But God doesn't care about that. So if you play an instrument, play an instrument. Like, God's cool with you banging on a drum. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to sound pretty. Like, you know, like that, that's, that's worship. If you're a writer, write poetry. Or if you're intimidated by poetry, write a letter. These are acts of worship to God. If you're a painter, paint. If you're some other kind of creative person, whatever creative outlet you have, use that. If you're a baker, bake. If you're a gardener, garden. Like meditation can be something that can be offered to God. Giving and generosity can be offered. 
as an act of worship. I dare you, I dare you, sometime in the next couple weeks, pray before you show up on a service and say, God, what is an offering I could give to you today as an act of worship? Just give God permission to speak to you in that area. And my guess is that you might be surprised how your giving might be different. And if you actually ask God what he might want you to give, it's an act, it's an act of worship. Literally any human action that's not immoral can be worship. Anything you can think of, it can be worship. As long as your attention is on him, it's expressing the affection of your heart, and the action is for him. Anything, like literally almost anything goes. So don't get caught up in the details of how you should do it and why you should do it. Rob, you can come, come on up. Don't get caught up in all that kind of stuff. As a matter of fact, what I would really encourage you to do this week is choose to worship God every day on your own and just pick one way to do it. Just one way to do it. Don't make it too hard on yourself that you're not going to do it. Don't decide that you're going to dance in the streets if you've never done that before. Like, if God moves you to do it, awesome. But like, what's one way that you can begin to worship God? And as a way to kind of model like how simple this is, I'm going to do an experiment right now, all right? I'm literally just going to open up my Bible to any psalm. This could go really bad, okay? Okay. I literally just, whatever page it fell, fell open to, there's no thing here. This is, I'm just, I'm doing this as a way to model how easy this is, and it doesn't have to be complicated, this is how I try to start my day. And please understand me, this is in no way boasting or saying, oh, look at how I do it. That's not what this is about. If anything, you're going to be like, wow, chill, that's not very holy. This is, this is what I do. Okay, so here's, I'm going to read a couple verses, and I'm going to allow that to take us into just a minute of worship. That's it. So I'm going to maybe pray and say some things to God, and I encourage you to come along with me. Rob is going to take a huge risk and begin to sing some things just to model how you can do this with music too if you're a musician. And this could go totally awful. This is out for all of Facebook to see, but we're going to do it. (laughs) The point is, you don't have it to have any preparation to do it. All right, Psalm, what is this? 119. Verse 129. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Turn to me and have mercy on me, as you always do. To those who call on your name. So Lord, right now, I just come before you, God. I'm so thankful, God, that you always, always have mercy. You always have mercy. God, I remember being on my front porch and being lost and lonely. I had no friends and no hope. And I cried out to you, God, and you heard my cry. I thank you, God, that you always, always give mercy. I thank you, God, for the mercy I've experienced in my life, Lord. When you, God, when you saved me from a car accident when I should be dead, Lord. 
when you saved me from the gang fight in Mexico when I should be dead, God. God, when you, when you saved me from the NICU as a child, as an infant, when, I, when my life was in the balance, God, you were so merciful to me, God. I praise your name, God. My life is yours, God. It's all yours, Lord. It's all yours, God. You have redeemed it from the pit over and over and over again, God. And I love you for it. I love you, God, and my life is completely and totally yours. Rob, just lead us in something. To this right now, whatever words come to your mind, whatever words you just feel like you want to give God thanks for his mercy, for his kindness, just go ahead, be bold right now, express your heart to him. Thank you, thank you. You see, it is not that hard to change the climate of your heart if you set out to worship God. If you set out to worship God. So when you read the word or you're reading a devotion or you're listening to a song, 
rather than just try to absorb knowledge, like a posture, like from a posture, God, I want to worship you. And you might say, yeah, I don't sing like Rob. That's okay, I don't either. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to. Like, the, it's, it's the intention of your heart to glorify God because of who he is and because of what he's done. And I, guys, I really, really believe that part of what God wants to do in our church family, what he wants to do through our church family, has to be built on the foundation of people who are worshipers. God is looking for worshipers. That's what it says in the Gospels. God is looking for worshipers. He's not looking for people who just do a bunch of stuff. He's looking for people who will give him their heart. And there's lots of different ways to worship. I've outlined some here, but there's plenty more. So I would love to see this week just the atmosphere, the climate of your heart and your home just to grow and worship. And then let's see when we come back together in a couple weeks, like how is God leading us in worship? What is he stirring up in our heart? I'd encourage you to do exactly what I did today. Turn to a psalm. Now, if you have one that's like about like righteous judgments and I want to see my enemies bludgeoned and that's a bridge too far for you, turn the next page. People get way too hung up on the stuff they don't understand or they're frustrating. Just turn the next page. I'm not saying ignore it. For me, what I would go is, God, you are a righteous judge and you will vindicate me. God, you, you made your, your statement about righteousness on the cross, right? Like, so, so you don't have to be afraid of those passages. I'm just saying, like, don't get hung up on that. Turn the next page. Find another, another way to engage in worship. God is not looking for you to get this perfect. He's looking for your heart, all right? So let's go and be worshipers this week and celebrate who Jesus is and how good he is. Amen? Have a great week. Go be missionaries. Amen.